listen, I know it has been a weighty week, okay? Um, I'm right with you. And I know that we do not know how to navigate this as a community. I, um, I do not like the tone on social media. I am very uncomfortable. Um, don't even like going on Facebook these days. Can't, I, I don't like it. From either side. Okay, and I know that among us, we are not on the same page politically as a body. We, we are divided on this, okay? And so there are some of us here who are content and even happy that uh, Donald Trump is our president-elect and they believe him to be the better person for the job. And there are others who are disappointed and even afraid, And so we are in different emotional places with what's going on politically. But I have never been more convinced of the power of the Lord's prayer. And I've never prayed it so fervently. Isn't that a beautiful thing when sometimes what you're marinating in, what you're memorizing, just seems to be applicable in every situation that you come across, right? Yeah. And, uh, and Tuesday throughout the day, it was just a little bit of a nudge that I needed from Larry when I told him I didn't, even, I didn't know how to pray through the day. And he told me, you pray, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so that's what we are going to pray today. And that's what we're going to study today. So it might be a surprise to you. We're going to flip-flop the last two weeks of our Lord's Prayer. If you have not been praying the Lord's Prayer with us every day, join us. Whether because you, you've slipped away or because you're just now joining us, it will not offend me at all if you want to pull up on your phone our website and download the prayer journal um, under Resources Year of Prayer because we as a people need to be formed. We need those words we believe written on our hearts every day. And we need to pray together for our own unity. And so join me in doing that. Um, I'm on page 68 and 69 today because we're going to take the last week this week. And then Pastor Mark will come back next week and preach, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let's begin in prayer and begin anticipating the Lord speaking to us today. Heavenly Father... We believe and we profess aloud in our own hearts and in public that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, Holy Spirit, how you are preaching that conviction into my heart this week. Would you preach it into the hearts of everyone here today that they might be sure that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. This is Matthew's recording of the Lord's Prayer. And I want to begin our sermon, this sermon, by praying together the words of the Lord's Prayer. We're going to start in verse 9, and we're going to pray it out loud together, okay? So um, start with me. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, 
as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yes, I was hoping there would be some for diners. Where's our last line of the prayer in Matthew? It's not here. It's not in Luke either. So where did it come from? Well, the early church gave us this last line of the prayer. Beginning after Jesus' resurrection, when the first believers were worshiping together, they prayed this prayer as Jesus taught them to pray. It was part of their personal devotional life. It was part of their worship services. And it just felt complete, incomplete, without deliver us from evil. Do you, do you agree? Right, ending with deliver us from evil, right? But it's not just that it felt wrong. It was a Jewish tradition. And the earliest followers of Jesus were Jews. And so they ended all of their prayers with a blessing of God's name. That tradition goes back at least as far as King David, who before he was King David was a poet and a musician, and he wrote most of the psalms that we have. And even his darkest psalms close with a blessing of God's name. Guys, can I switch to this? Because the ringing is troubling me. Thank you. So the Jews all ended their prayers with a blessing of God's name. So think about this. Psalm 42 is one of those good go-to psalms when you're in a really dark place. It goes, why are you cast down, O my soul? But even it ends with hope in God, for I shall again praise him. You could say it was unthinkable to talk to God without closing with a blessing of his name. And so the Church added this petition, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Most of the Bibles that you're reading won't have that passage because they're translating the text from the earliest manuscripts that don't have it, that end with deliver us from evil. Some of yours do because the later manuscripts of the Gospels, by the end of the second century, when the scribes were copying them, It was part of their liturgy as they prayed this prayer, deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and power and glory, right? So it was inserted by the second century. So some of yours, like the King James Version or the NASB, are going to have it, and they're going to have it in brackets. And I say all that because I want you to feel absolutely sure that your Bible can handle your deep scholarly questions about the word of God. And where it comes from and if it's true. And so don't feel like you have to hold back historical questions. The Bible can hold up to them. So we pray this petition as the tradition of the church. Let's, let's think about this petition for a second, what we're praying. We're praying for thine, God's, is the kingdom. Now, we don't live in a kingdom with a king, right? But if we did, we would understand that a kingdom means a place where one person has full ownership and authority. And when we pray that God's is the kingdom, we're saying that everything belongs to him. He has full authority, and this is his world, heaven and earth. We pray for thine is the power because we believe that God has everything. He can do anything. He sees everything. He hears everyone. He can be in any place because his is the power. We pray his is the glory 
because we believe that all honor, all admiration, all beauty belongs to God forever and ever because we believe it was all of history past and all of future to come. Amen. Let it be. It is true. Boom. Done. Okay? That's the the new modern translation of amen. So this prayer that we pray, it came from King David. It came from um, 1 Chronicles 29 is the first place that records a petition just like this. So that's what we're going to settle into today. So take your time to find 1 Chronicles 29. It's been a while since we've been in the Old Testament, so indulge me as I remind you where we are. Chronicles records the story of the kings of Israel. So the people of God started, their first king was Saul, and then King David, and then David's son Solomon. And the end of Chronicles is when David is turning over all of his kingdom to his son Solomon. He's giving, um, he's giving all of his stuff to Solomon, okay? And David had a lot of stuff, Because the kingdom of Israel was in a really good place at this time. They were in a really good relationship with God. They'd won just about every war that they'd ever gone to. And so the wealth had accumulated. And David in 1 Chronicles 29 has piled up all of his wealth in front of all the community, Solomon and all the people of God. He's also called for all the leaders of the community to give as generously as he did. And he's added their taxes to it. Okay, so we are looking at a lot of wealth here. And all that wealth was intended to build David's legacy. David had gotten everything he wanted except the opportunity to build a house for God. The people had been uh, worshiping God in in a tent. What's the difference between a tent and a house? Permanence. Permanence. And so... David wanted God to move out of this tent where he was dwelling with his people, the tent that he wanted them to build so that he could move around with them. God wanted to be where his people were, wanted to dwell with them. David says, I want you to dwell in a house so that everyone in the world knows that Yahweh lives here. This is his people. This is his country. This is his city. And you can come here for his presence and look at the majesty of Yahweh. God did not like this plan. He did not let David build the house. But out of his love for David, he said, I'll let your son Solomon build the house. So 1 Chronicles 29 is David looking at all of his wealth and riches and handing over his legacy to the next generation. The prayer that David prays at this dedication is the prayer of an old man handing over all of his wealth and all of his dreams. So listen to what this sounds like. Beginning in verse 9. This is the, we're looking at the crowd first. The people rejoiced because they had given willingly, for with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. They were giddy with the idea of building the house for God. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said... Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness 
and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Look at all that David blesses God with, the way that he blesses the name of God. This is what he says belongs to God. Greatness, power, glory, victory, majesty, everything in heaven and earth, and the kingdom. When you look at that list, you could have said that that was King David's legacy. You could have said all of that about King David. His greatness, his power, his glory, his victory. Do you remember the songs that they sang over David? Saul had slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. He was such a conqueror. His majesty, Jerusalem and his palace were just incredible. Everything, maybe you wouldn't have said heaven, but everything in earth, certainly the kings. And man, if there was ever a king, it was David. The kingdom was his. But when David goes public and talks in front of everybody and piles, looks at the pile of the wealth of his legacy, who does he attribute all of this to? God. David had a lot to be proud of. David had a lot to hand down to the next generation. David had won a lot of battles. He had accomplished a lot. He had really good reason for a sense of personal pride and personal security. But when he prays, he attributes all of it to the Lord. He doesn't say, I'm rich. I got a great palace. I have a great kingdom He says, it's all God's and God rules over all and everything he has, he prays, comes from God. He says, both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all and your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. This is the prayer of humility. This is the prayer of perspective. This is the prayer of a man who has made much of himself but is completely devoted to God and takes none of the credit for it. And what a lesson to his son Solomon, the inexperienced young king who's about to step up, who could very well look at that pile and go, I've got a pretty good inheritance going here. Pretty glad I'm going to be in charge of all this. And instead, he's taught from his father to attribute all of it to the Lord. Let's keep reading. I want you to hear some more of David's prayer. David says um, in verse 14, But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own, not of my own, of your own we have given you. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow. And there is no abiding. I've learned that it is age that can lead to this kind of a perspective. 
who can lead to, to speech like this. My grandma is 92, and thanks be to God, she is doing awesome. Uh, she is a first-generation American. She is from Czech, the child of Czech immigrants. She never made it to the homeland. She was uh, raised all her life in Baltimore, though uh, she moved to Memphis 10 years ago. And when she went to Baltimore last summer, there's only two people left for her to say goodbye to that she knew. And she's been giving her stuff away for 10 years now. Last time I visited her, she gave uh, some of her jewelry to me. This woman is, she is not um, sentimental. <laughs> she gave me this beautiful pearl ring that I have admired and have loved of hers for a long time. And I said, tell me the story of this ring. Where did you get it? What does it mean? She's like, well, I, don't, I don't know. Your grandpa gave it to me at some time for some reason. I'm like, great, thanks. Oh, just give it away. Give it to a friend if you don't like it, is what she said. Oh, my gosh. So this new place that she's living, one of her new neighbors is called the Colonel. Um, you guys, some of you who know veterans or who have dads who are veterans know this, that sometimes the title just lives on with them, right? Lieutenant Commander in my household. Uh, and, you know, most of the time you mean that, that name as a term of endearment and respect and honor. But you also kind of wink at it because... A life in the military just embeds this personality that embodies the colonel. You know what I mean? Okay, some of you have family members. He, um, the colonel is known for telling stories of the past. Very heroic stories. And that's the way that he's passing down his legacy. And when he tells the stories, they come with an air of wistfulness. When we pray this prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen, we're taking that posture, the posture of humility, the posture of perspective, um, the posture of the immigrant who doesn't know quite where home is, the posture that knows that you can't take anything with you, the posture of the colonel, the one who even winks at his own nickname because he knows the authority has already been passed down to another generation. And when we pray, this prayer is a community, because remember the Lord's Prayer is an us, it's a we. We place ourselves out of temporal reality and into a heavenly reality. Our hearts get ushered into eternity when we pray for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So take a moment with me. Picture with me. The community here in First Chronicles 29 is standing with King David around the pile of his riches. Imagine if we were to go out to the big parking lot and to pile up a huge pile of everything that we owned. So my house that's off of Rosedale is out there, our Highlander, my uh, master's degree diploma, right? And now add all your stuff. I'm hoping there's a couple boats in the mix, you know, a summer house, <laughs> um, all, all the food that you have, the table that you love. It's all piled up out there and we're standing around it. When we pray this prayer as a community, we paraphrase what David prayed and we said, Lord, all of that belongs to you. You are our father. And my business and my integrity and my reputation have come from you. Everything I own came from your hand. It was in your hand to give it. 
And then like David, who passed on also the vision of the house of God, we add to it our hopes for the future. We add our hope of a strong economy, of a peaceful nation, of a place where my son won't be drafted into a war. We add all those dreams onto the top of the pile. And we pray, Lord, you are over all. You have more authority than our government. You have more power than we even know. It all belongs to you. And we give thanks to you and praise your splendid name. And our posture when we pray that isn't sadness or relinquishment. What was the posture of prayer in 1 Corinthians 29 when we started in verse 9? How were the people? Rejoicing, giddy over giving to what God was doing in the world. Giddy over surrendering everything back to him. Why should we pray this prayer? Does that mental picture help you see what transforms in your heart when you give it all back to God and recognize that everything came from him and is for him and is through him for his glory? The Lord's prayer reminds us and calls on us to surrender our future. The future of our country, the future of our kids, all to the Lord. The ESV study Bible has a note on verse 15, and it says that this community depend entirely on God for their security and well-being. And even in the promised land, they are strangers and aliens before God. When we pray this prayer, we declare that we depend entirely on God for our security and our well-being. And even though we live in a free and good country of America, we are strangers and aliens before God. We have a higher citizenship than our citizenship as Americans. And our primary citizenship does not make us fellow citizens with people within a national boundary. But it makes us fellow citizens with all who call upon the name of Jesus Christ. So wherever you land on this election, hear this. Do not be afraid. And do not be proud. God could not be contained in a temple in Jerusalem and told you will dwell here and these will be your people and this will be your country. And neither can God dwell in a capital in Washington, D.C. and be only the God of this country. God is over all. He was on the throne before America existed and he will be on the throne forever. God has not abandoned his throne. He is on it. And he has not abandoned his dwelling place. Where did Jesus say he would dwell? In us. For lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He has not abandoned you. So whose man and whose woman are you? Who do you represent on social media? Whose country do you claim? This week, I have seen in our collective American response to this election that we need this last petition of the Lord's Prayer more than ever. 
we are acting and speaking as if President-elect Trump is the new king on the throne. And the tone of our post is dependent upon whether or not we elected him to be king of that kingdom. We react differently depending on whether we trust President-elect Trump to hold in his hands our wealth, our 401k, our health care plan, our military, and our country. But who does that belong to? Whose hands have the power to give out strength and riches and honor? It is God's. And it is not an out there little G God that we don't know and we don't know what he's about and we don't know direct, what direction we're heading. The God on the throne is our father. Our father who loves us, who is in heaven, who said, I am the bread of life that meets your request for daily bread. I am Jesus on the cross who extends the forgiveness of sins. I am your father. Are are you willing to pray this prayer, the Lord's prayer, like a dying man? Surrendering all that he has and all that he wants for the next generation. To the God who loves him. Are you willing to live as a stranger and an alien? Are you willing to live as one who does not own, who does not grasp at what they have, but acknowledges that everything is from the Lord's hand? If you are, then I want to invite you today to close the Lord's prayer with me today as a prayer of surrender. A prayer that comes in the posture of perspective and the posture of humility that is right for us to have before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on heaven and earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if you're willing to be put in that posture by your own volition willingly, then I'm going to ask you to stand and pray the Lord's Prayer with me. We pray as you taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Raise your hands to receive the benediction. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your request be made known to God.
And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So you are marked with the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go into all the world and teach him. Teach them about this God that you belong to. Amen.